This is Healthcare Strategies. This podcast was recorded remotely due to the coronavirus pandemic. As a result, the quality may be a little lower than our usual standards. We appreciate your patience as we practice social distancing. From all of us at Intelligent Healthcare Media, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the latest episode of Healthcare Strategies. Hello and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Kelsey Waddell, Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence. I'm here today with April Diaz, Vice President of Clinical Services at Marquee Companies. April has been working with Marquee Companies for a little over 16 years and has been in long-term care for more than 25 years. And we are also joined by April's colleague, Vicki Nordby, Nurse Consultant at Marquee Companies. Vicki has been with Marquee Companies for more than 12 years. She started working in long-term care technically when she was 15 years old and has enjoyed many roles since then, including but not limited to her work as a director of nursing and as a director of clinical services. Today, we are going to discuss electronic health records in light of infectious disease control. The coronavirus pandemic has certainly tested the EHR's limits and revealed some areas that need development. We'll be talking more generally about the pitfalls that the healthcare professionals often experience with EHRs in the context of infectious disease outbreaks and how these tools can be adapted to better suit the needs of the moment. Vicki and April, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. We've enjoyed the invite for the podcast. So I was thinking that it might help to sort of set the scene a little bit. Um, can you explain in brief about the Marquee Companies, uh, what they do, and who they serve? Absolutely. So Marquee Companies, we are an organization in the Pacific Northwest, primarily in Oregon, but we also operate in California and Nevada. We have 25 um, facilities, a combination of skilled nursing facilities and assisted livings. Excellent. Um, so, all right, let's just dive right in. My understanding is that electronic health records and infectious diseases traditionally don't really work well together. Um, could you explain why that is and what makes it so difficult for electronic health records to kind of accommodate the data and the processes that are involved in dealing with an infectious disease outbreak? So I think if we kind of separate it, so infectious diseases itself, when you're talking about the individual patient, that can happen um, quite well in an electronic health record. Um, but if we're looking at the infection control and prevention activities that are more global, that's where they don't work well. Um, so because you're dealing with data that is not part of the individual's health record, um, especially in an outbreak situation. And so if we, um, if we separate those out, um, you have the, the data that's within an individual patient, and then you have your infection control and prevention activities. And so some of those things that are, you know, outside of the health record are your, you know, surveillance data, um, epidemiology curves, um, which, you know, most people are using quite heavily right now with COVID outbreaks. Um, that help us identify, you know, who's that index case? When was our onset? What are our incubation and exposure windows? Can we identify those transmission points? It kind of helps give us an idea of this outbreak, the scope of the outbreak. Um, can we predict a little bit by looking at the locations, the exposure and incubation periods? 
the analysis of those outbreaks. What did we learn from it? What can we do better next time? And what was the total case count? Um, what was the period of time that that outbreak extended to? Um, and so those are a couple of the pieces, the heat mapping. So when we do heat mapping, we're looking at the different cases and where they're located at. And even outside of an outbreak situation, we're still going to be looking at that data. So we'll look based on organisms or site of infection to again, help determine you know, points of transmission. Um, how can we reduce those? Do we have you know, patient to patient transmission via our healthcare workers or equipment, um, environmental? And so though that heat mapping again happens outside because you've got numerous patients um, data going into that. Things like antibiograms, you know, again, we've got numerous data points for numerous patients. The overall analysis of our um, infection control and prevention data, again, because it's not resident, you know, just isolated to one resident, it doesn't it doesn't fit in your EHR quality improvement activity. So based on all of that surveillance data and infection data, um, audits and monitoring, what does all of that mean? And how can we improve based upon that? So much of that information is not tied to a patient record. Our current solution allows us to do um, some of that activity outside. Um, it's all held within the electronic record, but it's not part of the patient specific data. The other thing that COVID really illustrated to us is the need to um, communicate that data well um, and even to the C-suite. So that's kind of, um, you know, why it doesn't work 100% within an electronic health record. Gosh, thank you. That definitely makes sense. Now let's talk a little bit about solutions. What was your problem solving process like for this? Who was involved in the decision making? And ultimately, how did you identify the stress areas and seek out a solution for this? So this is Vicki speaking. If we look prior to um, adopting our current um, solution, in which I need to clarify and let you know that we are in the midst of 100% implementation we are utilizing that um, infection solution for COVID and in the process of doing 100% implementation. So COVID really pushed this, the move to a, a new solution. Prior to, um, to adopting it, we were doing um, paper or Excel documents that were utilized within the facility, but they weren't shared documents. And so it was really very, um, the infection preventionist is the one who had um, primary access to that information. And so when you have a pandemic like we've experienced over this past year, it became very, very important that that data be able to be easily accessible to clinical management, administrative, the corporate office, as far as for resource um, allocations, whether that be PPE or individuals or um, additional education. And so it became very imperative that we needed it, a, a solution that was far more transparent and easily accessible. 
our current solution allows that within point click care to to identify the facility data as well as corporate data and it had to be an efficient within our current system and so rather than doing systems outside of what we're currently using on a regular basis and everyone is familiar with and easy and everyone has access to um, it made it much easier to stay within that solution so that you know it's much more efficient as far as the players um, that were involved in making that um, decision it was facility infection preventionist um, April as the VP of clinical, the directors of operation within our um, corporation. And so it was a wide base of decision makers. Yeah, that makes sense that it would kind of span a lot of different areas, bringing together a lot of different areas to kind of solve for some of those issues. So what would you say are some of the elements that are essential to include for an EHR that can handle infectious disease prevention and control activities and can address some of those problem areas? So for us, one of the um, a key pieces has got to be efficient. We don't want our IPs spending their time strictly at a computer or within a spreadsheet because we know they're um, contribution to the team is much more valuable if they are out doing, you know, monitoring education, that in-time education, identifying potential breaks in infection control and prevention. So it needed to be efficient and it needed to have some um, machine intelligence with it so that it was not all analysis was not 100% reliant on the individual um, to determine those opportunities for improvement. It also needed to um, eliminate some of the redundancies. So we didn't want somebody to take the information from one place and have to document it in multiple places to be able to gather that surveillance data. It needed to be very transparent. We've um, COVID really showed us how much that infection data needed to be shared amongst multiple disciplines. And so that was a part, you know, a big part of that. How easy was it to use and understand by even non-clinical individuals to be able to be able to trigger exceptions and events um, without reliant 100% on human brain activity. We need to be able to extract data from multiple places within the electronic health record. Um, so when we're doing infection um, surveillance data, we're looking at you know, the resident factors themselves, their comorbidities. We're looking at the site of infection, the type of infection, the organism, the anti-infective that is being um, used to treat that. And so, if you look at an electronic health record, we're pulling data from you know, the resident's diagnosis. We're pulling it from their physician's orders, their lab results. Um, it may be progress notes that is pulling that signs and symptoms information. And we're looking for a solution that would pull that data without having to recreate or re-enter a lot of that information. You need a solution that calculates rates um, for us so that 
Somebody's not having to extract that data and run it through all the equations to determine uh, rates. And when we're looking at those rates, we're looking at rates of infection site type, organism, antibiotics, prescriber data. So that is a lot of um, data for our infection preventionists to be analyzing. And so any machine assistance definitely is a benefit to us. And so that was really important to us. As I mentioned, the accessibility based on our solution currently um, allows us to infer rights to security rights to multiple disciplines to allow them to view that infection control data because it's very much a team effort. No one person can maintain infection control and prevention in our facilities, and it's a team effort. And the more we educate and more we're able to, um, they're able to see where those transmission points and infections are and the ability to make changes and see progress, the better our, our program is going to be. Early on in the pandemic, we had um, the issues with PPE. And so that transparency allowed for better allocation of PPE to be able to see numbers and rates um, can assist us in the allocation of staffing resources. And so being able to have that transparency and the efficiencies has really been those pieces that are so vital in determining what system we're going to use. I know you said you're in 100% implementation mode now. Um, what has been the result of you know incorporating a solution like this? So um, our solution is still or the vendor is still under development, and so you know there's kind of the growing pains of a solution under development. But we've had so far pretty good acceptance by our facilities. The visibility has been helpful. Thank you. Um, Obviously, no solution is perfect. As you just said, you know, the development process, there's some, you know, development pains there. And the history of healthcare is one of constant adaptation to new circumstances. So looking to the future, where do you think are the gaps in this technology? What is the kind of next step in the evolution of EHRs, whether related to infectious disease or otherwise? Yeah, this is April Diaz. I'm chiming in here and just adding on to what Vicki said you know, while we have these solutions, um, most of the solutions are pretty um, siloed still, meaning that the solution for infections prevention that we're using is siloed within our own EHR, even though we have a corporate view. The gap that remains, and there's still some progress, but it's still a struggle, is the bridging of different silos of data from hospitals, state labs, um, to transitions to home health, insurance, we do a lot of managed care, all that data transition. And at this point in time, you would think that as technology has evolved, that we would be more of a seamless electronic transfer of information. You know, whether that's a view lens in or more evolved adaption of health HIE exchanges. In some areas they have it, some areas they don't. And I think that um, this pandemic has emphasized those pieces and that need for exchange of data. Um, we have a solution that we utilize that does bridge somewhat between um, partners that are using the solution, meaning acute care, 
a little bit with the state lab and any skilled providers or physician clinics that use this solution. And in this, we are able to see if a patient who's admitting to us what hospitals they've been in in the last six months, for example, or 12 months. They've just recently started what they've called the COVID alert. And so if, again, it's still in its infancy, if a certain lab has reported that COVID, it comes into that dashboard. Um, it also bridges in things from the Oregon Pulse Registry. Um, there's some development that's needed, but it's one of those solutions that needs to grow. We still, as we all know, as I said, is we're still working too much in silo capacities. I looked at a couple of facilities recently and we're still reliant on the mass faxing of information on hospital transfer. That's a huge gap that needs to evolve. The transfer of, for example, admitting physician orders, you know, we're still reliant on that piece of paper versus a bridging between EHRs that allow that data to transfer over. That's where we need to grow. Those are the opportunities. And I think, you know, for us, it's exciting. We like to innovate. Um, we love working with these solutions and looking at how can we best do that. But those are, those are some of those areas that we need to go. And I think infection control has truly highlighted this in the pandemic for that electronic transfer of data and shared data, because that's the only way we can do to improve the outcomes and quality of care of our patients going forward, ongoing. Definitely. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for your insights on this topic and for sharing your experience and your thoughts on how this can improve. Thank you for coming on to the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. And now for our listeners, how would you like to see EHRs evolve? Tell us your thoughts by sharing this episode on Twitter and tagging us at EHR Intel. We look forward to hearing your thoughts. This has been an Intelligent Healthcare Media production. 